You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Welcome to the Game Corner, where we talk about all the games that people have been playing during the lockdown. And we have some special experts in that field today because we are interviewing the staff of Tabletop Cork. So today we have Chris Heinhold and Emer Kelly, who are the shop owners, and Serena Roman, who I'm assured is part of the Tabletop family. Guys, how are you doing today? Very good, thank you. Yeah, great. Very good, yeah, great. Excellent. And thank you so much for taking the time out to appear today. I understand that you've had quite a lot of online orders in the last few weeks. Yeah, it's been busy. I mean, we've had, we, we built the shop online la- middle of last year. We hadn't really pushed it very hard. And then when this all happened, we obviously just put everything we had online and it's grown quite a lot since. So it's been great. Okay. And uh, just before we kind of get into the games and stuff, uh, can I ask, how long has Tabletop Cork been running? So we opened our shop on Castle Street in Cork City uh, two years ago, uh, January two years ago. Two and a half nearly. Two and a half years ago, yeah. Um, so it's been that long. And then we opened a second location in Bantry in West Cork. Um, that's actually a bar. And we opened that in G- June last year. So it'll be coming up to a year at the end of this month. Oh, excellent. Well, happy anniversary of sorts then. Yeah, it'll be a strange birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, just to get some sort of business stuff out of the way early on, uh, I am based in Dublin. Is this shop open for orders just around the Cork area or is it all Ireland? Like, what's the range? Well, absolutely all Ireland. Um, we deliver using Fastways. So it's the entire island of Ireland we deliver to. And uh, orders take... I mean, at the moment, because they're just incredibly busy, I think all delivery companies are incredibly busy and a little bit slower than normal, but it's three, three, four days. Oh, quite often it's only two. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Like, because we've had, like, uh, we so far, we've had, like, activity, like, instructors and artists and lots of different people on the show. And the common theme through all of them so far is their work has been stopped and they're playing more board games. So I'm really thrilled to hear that you guys at least are sort of having a little bit of a, not only just uh, still going, but having a little bit of extra boom during these times, you know? Yeah, it's great. Like it's just keeping everything kind of ticking over. Um, And it's nice to just still keep some interaction with all of our customers. So we're still really active on social media, which is lovely. And it's nice to see how a lot of our regular customers are supporting us now through buying things online and buying vouchers and stuff, which is great. And I've got to ask about this because I didn't realize this initially when uh, my friend Jessica Lean recommended you guys to me. Uh, it's also, you have cafe in your name. Like, so what kind of, take me through the kind of setup of the, I know the building's closed right now, but what kind of services do you offer then? So we're very much a functioning cafe as well as being a board game cafe. So from the get-go, we were always clear that we wanted people to feel free and come in just for like a coffee and a cake or a toasty and stuff during the day. 
Um, and then similarly at nighttime, we offer like sharing boards, kind of like cheese boards and charcuterie boards and meze boards along with beer and wine. And again, anyone is free to come in and have something to eat and a drink without playing games if they don't want to. Mm. Um, but actually, interestingly, we've noticed that a lot of people who might not come in with the intention of playing games look around them and then they're like, oh, actually, maybe we'll give something a go which is really lovely to see. Like we get a lot of customers in that would not necessarily be big board game players that end up really enjoying themselves. Well, I'm um, thrilled to hear that because like, I mean, I don't want to kind of, uh, what's the term, throw shade on any other shops, right? But quite often when I go into some board game shops, I find it somewhat intimidating that there are tables, yes, but the people who play it uh, are so far beyond my kind of vaguely amateurish type playing that I'd almost be scared to try one of them out. So that's kind of not the yeah. atmosphere you've cultivated there. Yeah, like we've always been really aware of that. I guess neither one of us was a massive board gamer when we started out. Like Chris used to play probably like once a week with friends, but I probably only played like a couple of times a year. Um, and like, yeah, as you say, we were very much aware of that kind of somewhat stereotype, I suppose. So... And like, it's actually nice as well in relation to the staff that are working there. There's always a nice mix of people that prefer to play heavier games. And then quite often we've had staff that we've taken on that would never really have played games and then have gotten into them as they've been working there. So there's a nice mix of people that just want to play like party games or then something a bit more strategic and, you know, a bit more of an in-depth game. So it's nice because it means you always get a nice mix of games recommended to customers that are coming in. Okay. And I suppose it helps that, I mean, I, you seem to all have a range of experience with board games. It would help maybe that when people come in who may not be overly familiar with it, you can kind of take them through it, right? Yeah, exactly. Like we generally start from the, I guess, assumption that people don't necessarily know the games. Uh, rather than making an assumption that you're a regular board gamer and then you might be a bit embarrassed to say, oh, actually, I, I don't really play games. I think so what's cool as well is that... Possible. Oh, sorry, go on, Serena. I think what's cool as well is that a lot of people that work there, um, some of us kind of, like when I started working there, I like playing kind of a lot of the heavier games and I kind of verge now towards the lighter, more party games because I have a toddler now, so it's kind of harder to play the more serious <laughs> games. Um, but we're all kind of, you know, very flexible with what we like. And if you don't like something that we might like or we might recommend, we're more than happy to kind of change it up and try something that would suit you that wouldn't necessarily be our cup of tea as well because we're kind of well-versed in those different variations of games so i know exactly what you mean we have a one-year-old here at home and when we tried to play monopoly she kept trying to get at the pieces which is reasonable like she just wants to see what we're having fun with mm. but like you know kind of a card game or something like that might be just a bit safer or at least a taller table perhaps but we'll see what we can <laughs> <Yeah>. do like <laughs> exactly yeah we have that issue at the moment um myself and Emer, because we're both at home a lot more than we've been for the last number of years and we have a one and a half year old and we tend to try and get games played when he's down for his mid afternoon nap. Mm. But if he comes up, if he wakes up and comes into the room while we're still playing, he just wants to get on the table and play with all the funny, interesting looking pieces. Which is, you can understand it, like, because like yeah. you, you see the adults having fun with it and you kind of want to know what's up with that. And then you kind of hoosh yeah, yeah. it away and they just want to know more, like, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So, well, that kind of segues nicely into the main question I want to ask you today, which is what kind of games have you been playing yourselves since lockdown? Uh, Chris, I'll start with yourself. What kind of game or two have you been playing now that you're at home more? Um, now that I'm at home more, I actually, like, when this all happened, I was taking stock. We live in Bantry in West Cork, so it's about an hour away from the city. And so when I realized I wouldn't be going back up to the shop in the city for a while, I grabbed a whole bunch of games that have been in our library and I haven't actually had a chance to play because I've been too busy. So I've been trying to play a lot of them and some of the newer things. So one of the games I've been really excited to get a couple of games played is um, Scythe, Rise of the Fenris. Or Rise okay. of Fenris. I'm guessing it's kind of a fantasy game then? It's kind of a, it's a, not quite fantasy. It's, um, what is it? like an alternate reality game it's one of the heavier type games um side is quite a big one but this is a campaign mode for for side oh um, i see so it's like an expansion like game. exactly yeah so it's an eight game campaign that you play through and myself and Emer have played onto game four it's a bit of a commitment each game lasts two to three hours so it's something we couldn't really get dive into i've actually had the game for over a year mm. and haven't opened it because there's spoilers in the box and i didn't want to be going through it and seeing what's what's coming up so that's been really exciting and and quite fun to, to jump into yeah i'd say two three hour naps are hard to come by like yeah 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 that's kind of more of a, a late night one um and i mean through this lockdown it's been we've been shocked at how exhausted we've been even though we've been doing not a whole amount mm. we've just been really tired a lot of the evenings so trying to get a two to three hour game played but it's still working and it's we're really enjoying it i'm really enjoying it anyway i won the last two games though so yeah. <laughs> i was really enjoying it at the start and then he started uh kind of how things have changed he's been spending um, all of his time researching tactics. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, the other game that I've really enjoyed playing is actually one that surprised me, and um, it's one that we only got in stock since the lockdown started. It's a it's a tiny little card game called Llama. Um, Llama, like the animal. Uh, yeah, like the animal, and it is. I'm just gonna. Sorry, I went away from the microphone there. Um, it actually was nominated for the Spiel des Jahres, so it's a Game of the Year award, wow. big, big award last year. Um, really tiny game. It's kind of a bit like an Uno type game. You're just playing cards from your hand um, down on top of another card. You have to play a card that's the same or higher, a number that's the same or higher. And you basically want to get rid of as many cards as you can to end up with the lowest score. I'm um, just doing a sneaky bit of Googling. Yes, the artwork yeah. looks incredibly appealing. Yeah, it's a lovely little game. It's super simple. But the first, myself and Emer played it a few times and we just weren't really getting it. It's by Reiner Knizia as well, who's quite a mm. big, well-known game designer. We weren't really getting it and we were just kind of both ending up with no score and then we realized oh it's a kind of push your luck but you're you need to pull out to force the other person so you have to take some sort of a hit to force yeah. the other person to take a bigger hit and then it becomes very fun and very strategic and we played it with Emer's mother lives with us as well which is great because we have a third player for games in the evening <laughs> sometimes yeah. and uh, we played it with her and she picked it up straight away it was really fun so that's another one i'd really recommend and i was surprised that i enjoyed it as much as i did lovely and uh, just because i'm looking at the box artwork now what kind of age range would llama be for is it family appropriate or would it be Absolutely. more on the cards against humanity end of things no no very much family appropriate i mean it says uh, what's it say eight plus but i mean if you're playing games with kids i always find that when people come into the shop as well 
and they're asking for games for younger players. It really depends on the player. If you're if you're playing games with a kid from a young age, they're going to be able to handle stuff a lot easier, you know. Um, I would say six would be easy enough to teach this to a six-year-old. Okay, because that's exactly it. Like I work in an Easton's in Dublin, and like we have a we wouldn't have a range near you, but we have the essentials, like you know your your cards against humanity, your exploding kittens, and now and again, if something like cards against humanity or risk, and we have mm. someone coming up, we kind of have to go. No, this isn't really for your grandkid necessarily because if you look yeah. at a box and you don't play them you wouldn't necessarily know right yeah absolutely. Yeah. and yeah. uh sorry you go first there no no i was just going to agree with you and uh, like we see we get that a lot actually in in the shop and um, particularly obviously around christmas time people are buying games for other people's kids mm. and um one thing i've noticed like if you are a family that games together regularly and you're buying a game for your child's friend you might know if they regularly play games then you need to sort of pay a bit more attention to the age on the box i mean it's a good guide but if you're buying games for your own kid and you know that you regularly play games with them you you can gauge what they can handle a lot easier exactly that's well, a very good point because it's understandable that like parents or aunts or whatever who don't play board games regularly would even be aware of the concept of an age limit you know mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, because uh, I'm going to move over to Emer now, although I appreciate you're playing together. But can mm -hmm. I ask, have you been playing more cooperative games like, or kind of more competitive? No, unfortunately, if you're playing with me, it's, I'd very rarely that I'll agree to a cooperative game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> and why is that? <laughs> I don't know, actually. It's, uh, That's some deep questioning there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going into my personality that I don't know if I really want to discuss. <laughs> well, all right. Of course, you don't have to answer. But the, funnily enough, the trend we've been noticing in the people we've been interviewing so far is that Cooperative games, especially if it's games that they're playing on Zoom or the like, have actually become more popular because if you only get to see your friends once or twice a week on the laptop or whatever, they're almost afraid to antagonize each other. I'm guessing you're not having that problem then. No, I don't think so. Especially when it comes to games, like, I always really enjoy kind of... Um, I suppose really like push your luck and kind of like fast, fast acting games. So like, even like we've played a few kind of puzzly type games, like there's one called Tiny Towns, which we've been playing, which okay. is really good fun, but it's more of like a, like a solitary puzzle that you're playing at the same time, like competing with each other. And as much mm -hmm. as I enjoyed it, I wouldn't be like kind of hyped up after it. I wouldn't be like rushing back to play it. Um, but there's one game that we've played, I think we played it two days in a row, which is really unusual for yeah. me to play something two days in a row, especially when we have such a vast library and like to mix it up a bit. But um, it's called Quacks of Quindleberg. I'm sorry, really, could you say that again? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mouthful. It's Quacks <laughs> of Quindleberg. Am I saying Quacks right? like the duck noise, quack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but referring to doctors. Okay. So, <laughs> referring to kind of like witch doctors. It's um, it's kind of like got a middle age theme, I guess, but like a fun, kind of cartoony one. Um, but actually, the theme isn't really that important to the game. But it's a real like, 
put your luck gambling game that I <laughs> find completely addictive. <laughs> <laughs> so based on that and kind of a llama thing, you seem to be enjoying games where you can sort of raise the stakes and kind of chance your arm and that kind of stuff, as opposed to something a bit more like streamlined, like. Yeah, exactly. Very yeah. much so. That's actually interesting. Raising the stakes and pushing our luck. I mean, we have we have two cafes and a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that does reveal something. <laughs> I hope that bank are listening to this. Yeah, yeah. So deep into the personalities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that seems a nice time to bring Serena into this. What games have you been playing? Um, so I have part-time with my son, so part-time I've been playing kind of bigger games and part-time I've been playing kind of lighter, easier games to get on the table. Um, so I've been playing a lot of Color Brain, which is like a trivia game. I've always loved this game, but I've been playing it a lot recently because it kind of goes good with like a glass of wine or like some cocktails, you know. Hmm. Um, it's a game basically where you have a hand of colors and the answer to every question is either a color or multiple colors. Um, and it's kind of fun because there's like a Disney version as well, but there's like the classic version, which is the one that I have at home. And so it's like general trivia knowledge type questions. Um, and it's pretty accessible because my partner doesn't really play board games at all. Um, so he doesn't mind getting it on the table and kind of playing a little bit of color trivia. So it's kind of fun that way. Um, another one has been actually a cooperative game since you asked about cooperative games. It's called Codenames Duet. Codename um, so Duet. That rings a bell, yeah. Yeah. So it's two players only that specific code names. Um there's a code name that isn't, but since it's just the two of us stuck here together, uh, <laughs> we play the duet version. And basically you have a little um card and the card is kind of like indicates the cards that are in front of you on the table. So there's like a key card that you have and you each have a side of your key card and you have different color coded cards that pertain to the 15, I think they're 15, there's five by five grid on the table anyway. Um, and they all have different colors and you're trying to get your partner to guess as many correct ones as possible that would be green on your indicator card. So it's kind of weird one to try to explain, but essentially you're working together in order to be spies and determine who is the or not really who is the um correct one but it's kind of like you're trying to determine which are the correct cards in order to win the game together so you have to get 15th correct okay so you seem to be whereas you have the like of scythe rise of the fenris which sounds like a very kind of involved game with a lot of pieces you seem to be kind of more into the sort of the cards and quick to set up type games then yeah i think that probably has a lot to do with kind of i like feeling very relaxed in the evenings or whatever and that's when I would have more time to play so the games that don't take a long time to get on the table but um, are fairly easy to kind of get going and still really enjoyable and not too thinky so that's kind of what I'm what I'm vibing with at the moment and there's another one called Takedo which I don't know if you've heard of I've um, heard I haven't no <laughs> it's kind of a Japanese themed game and it's actually absolutely stunning the art is gorgeous it's minimal and it's like super modern um and basically what you're doing is you're taking a journey along the Takedo road which is like in Japan so you're going along this journey and along the journey you have different experiences and that's what's going to give you points um, until the end of the game. At the end of the game, your experiences are what's going to give you kind of value. And then based on that, it's who wins the game, who has the most valuable experiences. So it's kind of cool. And it's okay, strange. so it's not about throwing over your competitors. It's kind of more just about acquiring things. Exactly. So you have like shops and you can stop along the shops and get some souvenirs or you can go to the 
hot springs and like have a bath. So it's kind of more relaxing, not too crazy competitive. I'm absolutely stunning. Okay, that's a, uh, sorry, you go uh, on there. I was just gonna say it's a, a lovely traveling game as well. So like you feel like you're going, going places when you're stuck at home. Yeah. So it's more of a sort of a road building game, the likes of Ticket to Ride or the Betrayal of the House in the Hill, that kind of layout, is it? Um, I would say it's more like you're going along the road yourself. So the road is already in front of you and you're choosing where to stop along that road in order to kind of enjoy yourself in your particular way. So somebody might enjoy themselves with getting souvenirs, whereas I might enjoy myself with stopping to look at a beautiful vista and then you collect panorama pieces, you know? So it's a bit different. You can play it differently, which is cool. Okay, so like you said, like it's a, it's a really good game to play while there aren't too many options about where to go and what you can do with your day, like. Exactly, like if you want kind of something peaceful, it's a peaceful game, you're not feeling like you're crazy and crunchy. It, you're just enjoying yourself and trying to determine which kind of beautiful things you want to collect along the way. So it kind of gets your head out of kind of a stressful situation that we're in right now. Which is kind of nice. That's why I like it. <laughs> okay, that's lovely. And that kind of brings us to kind of the main issue of the thing. Why do you think people in general are playing more board games now during the lockdown? Obviously, they were kind of stuck at home, but like as opposed to the likes of video games or just watching TV or anything like that. Uh, Chris, I'll go to you first. Um, I think like the playing of board games has definitely been upticking in general anyway. I mean, board game sales generally have been rising. There's there's more new and exciting and quite accessible board games coming to market as well. Um, I think that's that's a general trend before the lockdown. But I think in the lockdown, like, Serena's kind of hit the nail on the head there with like, you want to just kind of relax in the evening. I mean, people are anxious, they're stressed out. Maybe Emer might want to be more stressed out and anxious <laughs> until she wins one two games. <laughs> a lot of people are kind of looking for some way to chill and unwind, and maybe I mean if you're if you're working from home, like a lot of people are working on screens all day mm. anyway, and now they're working even more closely tied to their screen. I saw an article recently where it's saying that people are actually working longer hours in the mm. lockdown, mm. working from home. Some people are just getting kind of sucked into that, so turning off your screen and, and sitting with some card and paper, I think is quite appealing. No, you bring up an excellent point because I'm also like a drama teacher, like when, well, when we're not all stuck at home and like we've been trying to set up lessons and a barrier we've been hitting is that the kids we work with already are on the laptop so much between the lessons they're getting and, you know, talking to their relatives and all kind of stuff that even if it's something fun, they just don't want one more hour on the screen, you know? Have you tried any games um, online for like playing board games or card games? Via we haven't tried board games yet. It's just been sort of activities and things. Why? Do you have a recommendation? Um, yeah, I mean, myself and Emer played uh, with friends in London just the other night. We played a game called Just One. Just um, One. did win the Spiel of the Aris last year. So that was the actual winner um, of the game of the year last year. Mm. But it's a, it's a cooperative game. So that's quite nice. You're not, like you were saying, people might want to play more cooperative games. Um, and what you're doing is everybody... Um, so what happens is one person is the guesser and everybody else can see the word that they're trying to get the guesser to guess. Okay. And everybody writes down a clue on a piece of paper. We do it on a piece of paper. With the game, you get um, whiteboard markers and little whiteboards, but you only need one copy of the game to play it distantly. And you all write down your word, your clue, and you compare them without the guesser looking, obviously. 
And if there's any matching clues, those get disqualified. So the guesser only gets to see the unique clues. So you want your clue to be a little bit obscure, but not too obscure that the guesser isn't going to guess what the word is. Okay, that sounds lovely. It might be nice for that for that drama group as well, because you're kind of thinking a little bit outside the box, trying to come up with interesting clues. That's excellent. And like, what kind of age range would you pitch that at then? Really any age. I mean, the, the thing that would make it more difficult or less difficult would be the words that you include. Okay. So you could pitch that at any age. You could, you could even kind of throw in some of your own words make it a bit, you know, cartoony <laughs> if you wanted to. There's a, obviously stacks and stacks of words in the box, but if you're controlling the game, you can pitch it, whatever. Okay, lovely. Thank you so much for that recommendation. I'm certainly going to send it on to the other teachers now. And before right. we kind of hit our time, uh, Emer, is do you think there's any, like, particular reason people are kind of tuning into board games more than they would the likes of uh, screens or anything else, like? Yeah, like, I think one positive of this lockdown is it's gotten people out of their their normal routines. And I think people are really starting to reassess their their lifestyle outside of work now. And I know a lot of people who are actively trying to spend a bit more time with their kids and their partners and, you know, like proper quality time as opposed mm-hmm. to just rushing in and having dinner after work and watching some TV and going to bed, people all of a sudden have, even if they're working more, they have more time because people aren't worrying about doing homework with kids or, you know, there's no commuting. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot more kind of emphasis on, Hey, let's just try and spend some time together and let's sit down and do something as opposed to just kind of rushing around in our busyness. Yeah, I'd be fascinated to see how many of these adjustments people take with them into their lives after this lockdown has passed, which it eventually will, no matter how long it takes. Yeah. Like, Yeah, exactly. And uh, Serena, like, uh, do you think there's any other particular reason people are finding board games now that they wouldn't necessarily have before? Um, I think I agree with, with everything that Emer and Chris said. I think it's cool as well because... Uh, for those of us that are out of work at the moment, um, we have lots of screens going on. Even if you're not working, you have the TV, your social media, everything's kind of going on in front of you all the time. Um, which, like, ironically, like, personally for me, has led me to spend, like, loads of time, like, qu- qu- like the quantity of time that I'm spending with people that I'm around a lot on a daily basis, which would be my partner and my son, is, is a lot. But the quality is kind of lesser. so it it kind of allows for the quality of the time to be more so and that's kind of cool allows you to connect in a different way to have that competition or that cooperative kind of vibe happening if you're you're able to disconnect uh, uh, for a little while yeah it's an excellent point and you know even though board games are often like sitting down they're incredibly involved and they ask they do ask a lot of you whereas other things if you're stuck in a house wouldn't necessarily do like Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's nice to be able to connect with your friends or your family. Even I have friends, you know, friends and family overseas as well. We've been playing categories online, you know, just different ways of being able to connect with one another that might involve screens, might not involve screens, but still allow you to have like really good quality of time. Excellent. Well, guys, we are almost out of time. Um, I'll go back to you, Chris, for a sec. Is there anything else you'd like to say in regards to the games you've been playing or 
the shop itself or just anything in general on the air? Um, I mean, in regards to the shop itself, I think it's important just to say it's tabletopcork.ie um, and the shop is on there. I also have been trying to write a pretty regular blog um, recommending games and stuff like that, games for different player counts and games for teenagers and younger players. There's a couple up there already. Oh, and games for two players as well. Um, people can always rec- or message us for recommendations as well. And I'm delighted that people have because it gives us a chance to talk about games, which is something I really miss. So the people can message us through Facebook or Instagram um, or just email us anytime. And we tend to get back to you within a few hours. Um, in relation to games I'm playing, I'm just really looking forward to playing playing some more games. I've got I've got a stack of heavier games that I really want to get through before. I'm kind of mm-hmm. worried now they're going to end the lockdown before I get all my games played. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good concern to have. And Emer, is there anything you'd like to say on the air before we wrap? Not necessarily. Like I know I mentioned it earlier, but we're we feel extremely grateful for all of the support that our customers have shown and thank you very much as well for asking us to be on the podcast today we really appreciate it no worries it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you and thank you for clearing your busy schedule for it not at all and uh serena is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap um no just thanks for having uh, me on thanks chris and you were for including me in the top family still um and yeah definitely shop local if you can it's really important to support everybody for this time um so yeah that's an excellent point point. and one last time where can they find tabletop and where can they order the games from you so just tabletopcork.ie is the website and um, there's a, a shop there you can just go straight through that so just tabletopcork.ie and then on facebook it's um at tabletop cork if you want to go onto the bantry page it's at tabletop west and on instagram it's tabletopcork underscore gamer and we post pictures of games and our dog and <laughs> general things bits and pieces that we're doing around the day on instagram so ah the dog you should have opened with that he actually gets a lot of attention since the lockdown he's been featured a lot more so (laughs) excellent well on that very positive canine note we'll say that's the end of uh, this very special edition of the game corner chris emer and serena thank you so much for giving up the time and i hope you have a wonderful day thank you so much have a great one bye bye Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 